0: Hello, hello. Welcome back to A Certain Type of Crazy. Hello. (laughs) Hey. We have Alan here today with us. Hi, Alan. Thank you for joining. Um, Thank you. Alan is the visual merchandising manager for a luxury fashion house. And we're going to pick his brain on what he does every day. He's going to give us some tips on anyone that might want to work in this field and we're really excited and Joe I know you and Alan go a bit ways back so if you can tell
1: us like how you guys met and some history yes Alan is one of my bestest friends in the whole world we've known each other for how long now
2: I think like seven years seven eight years
1: I think it's longer. I think we're like nine Maybe. or ten or something like that. We're we're getting up there because we're.
2: Needs. We can do we're a ten-year celebration. So.
1: Oh, happy no.
2: anniversary! I mean, can't wait for that <laughs> okay. day.
1: But yeah, Alan and I met in university in London. We were both in the same styling course, and Indeed. all three years we were in the same class, weren't we?
2: We were study buddies the whole way through.
1: Yeah, so Alan and I have been through thick and thin from the start. And now I moved Alan into lived. a
2: house, I think. I mean, basically, <laughs> I moved, by I the moved end of the third final year,
1: year, when we were doing our living. final projects together, my goodness, we were inseparable. But um, we're still friends to this day, obviously. We talk all the of time. Course. And, um, of course. And Alan now lives in Milan. And obviously, as Yaz said, he's a VM at a luxury fashion house. So, Alan, why don't you tell us a little bit on how you got started in being like a VM?
2: During university, we had a like a unit on visual merchandising, but I didn't take so much notice because I was leading, leaning towards styling more. But when I arrived in Milan, it was by chance, which is why I always say that things happen for a reason. I, I went to see a friend who worked at the store I now work at. And I just went to say hello and my director at the time was there changing a window and we just got chatting and within a week, I started a job there, which was super, a crazy way to start, an unusual way to start, but it's it's something that I'd done during studying. I was a VM for a concept store in London, so I had a background, but it was not something I was pursuing when I arrived in Milan. It just happened, it fell into place. So it was meant to be, should we say.
0: How long have you been doing it now? How many years?
2: For the current brand, four years. So wow. for a while and before that three. So it's been, uh, I mean, seven, eight years.
1: Crazy, have you seen a lot of like progression in the industry since you started? Like, has it been a lot of movement?
2: I feel like nothing, especially for COVID, I thought that brands might scale back, but brands at all have not scaled back on their windows. I mean, the brands that I see are always doing super cool stuff and super progressive stuff, which hasn't really stopped. I really thought that during the, the, the pandemic that maybe the last two years that people might scale back, but they haven't at all.
0: Can you give us like a simple as possible definition of what a visual merchandiser does for anyone that is not super familiar?
2: So a visual merchandiser is in charge of window display, setting up a window, also inside the store. So setting, setting a floor, for a brand so you you speak to the store you speak to the merchandisers and you find out in that month in that period what you need to push and your job is to push that visually throughout the store and throughout the window so you're in charge of sometimes thinking about concepts designing a concept or just implementing a concept that's been designed to you by head office for from for my uh, my company we're quite free to to create and be be creative creative. yeah which is nice i think it's not common in most brands to have that freedom whereas a lot of brands you they're given a guideline or a layout by you
1: just have to follow it so you you don't get guidelines from higher ups ever
2: i create the guidelines oh my team. okay because the team is small so so it's so fun because you get to create a (laughs) guideline for the other stores so it's super nice That you're the one
0: what do you have to keep in mind when you're creating a guideline for different stores? Is it the same for each store or does it depend on like where, on what location they are? Like what what are some things you have to keep in mind for specific locations?
2: Because the I look after the Middle East, um, mm-hmm. India and half of Europe. So the, mm-hmm. in regards to that, the buyers is always different. Of course, in the Middle East, the way client's dress is a lot different to the way Europeans dress, let's say, or we have certain rules, like, which shocked me when I first started this job was when I first went to the Middle East, especially Saudi Arabia, they have rules that I did not expect, like, you can't have women's wear at the front of a store, it has to be men's wear at the entrance of a store, and you can't, mannequins are headless in the Middle East. More so in, in, in Saudi Arabia, Dubai is a bit more relaxed now.
1: On both the male and women, like and female mannequins, all of the mannequins? All,
2: yeah, all of them. They can't, oh, you can't wow. play music, men can't serve women, women can't serve men. So I ha- have to also think about when we, and it, these are laws that got introduced recently in the last couple of years. So when we designed a store, when we launched a store, it was designed in a certain way. So then we have to adapt to vi- visually how we, merchandise goods for the store because let's say women's wear was always developed to be when you enter handbags and perfume now there's a rule saying you can't display women's wear at the front of a store so the, the tools the layout is set up for women's wear so you have to adapt the way you display
1: so um, would you consider fragrance something that's like because a lot of the brand's fragrances are maybe unisex or something like that, yeah. you know? So like it could be playing towards females and males. So can you not have that at the front of the store too? Because it's technically- Yeah, you can.
2: Perfume, yes. Okay. But like obviously makeup, no. Because makeup is predominantly female. It's really something I didn't expect to be having to think about when I mm-hmm. first started going to the so Middle like So if there's
1: no music, is it just silent in there? Being
2: I silent. cannot
1: imagine. A shopping it's a very experience, weird without experience without
0: any music. <laughs> Johanna can be heard from the entire <laughs> store without any music.
1: Oh my God. Just
2: basic voices so they
1: on can the hear store. right
2: now. But then there is change. I mean, the mid- UAE, so Dubai, is a lot more relaxed now and they have heads. I mean, there's music playing. That's nice. There's, <laughs> That's there's <good>. not. <laughs> There's the mannequins have
0: identities
2: exactly they're allowed eyes and a mouth so they can speak like uh, kim Cottrell. <laughs>
1: wow <laughs> jesus but yeah um this that's is- the
2: main difference i mean india is super open so that's the main difference of what i've witnessed in my time traveling because i've been to america and obviously america's like europe you can do anything and it's there's no rules it's super easy
0: how much travel is involved with your job? I mean, given, you know, obviously we're in a pandemic, but it, pre-COVID, normal times.
2: I mean, I would travel every month, two weeks of the month, I'd be out of the country. I mean, I have, I had 15 stores when I started and I would do a trip twice a year. And then wow. every every month to Paris or to Zurich.
1: Are you traveling so on your own or do you have a team that goes with you? Do you have a team that myself. you meet there? Or like, who is it that's I'm, helping you?
2: So each, most of the stores are franchised. So they have a member of staff that is designated for visual merchandising, but I'm on my own. So I go by myself and then I, I meet with the VM of that company and they're there to assist me. So I have to show them how we do it our way and have to educate them in the way
0: So you show them like your guidelines
1: and your concepts. And how we
2: we fold, how we Mm -hmm. Mm hide, how we would display Do any franchises
1: just like completely go AWOL and do whatever they want? Are there any repercussions to if they do that, like?
2: I mean, they have have emails from, uh, they have emails from head office because (laughs) I think it happens often. I have to like spend two hours on an email being like point one, point two on slide five you did this and this is not how you know this is not how we do it right. also that we have an issue with like markdown so like of course when you have a sale a lot of stores just decide to put what they want on sale and not what we tell them to so yeah.
0: oh yeah it can
2: be a, it can be a problem for, for the merchandising a store when they just when you have let's say in my Milan store you have a certain thing on sale and then in the, in the Middle East, they have everything else on sale, and a c- client will say, "Well, I was in Dubai last week, right. and they had this on sale, and it's not in Milan; it's full price." So it m- c- can become an issue.
0: Right. It's... Yeah.
2: But I would definitely that, bring that do... up if I came into a store. <laughs> she
1: would. That sounds like something Thanks I would Joanna. say. <laughs> so when you're making your guidelines, what is it that you see in your mind when you're making it? Like, what is it that makes you put something in the front window comparative to the left corner in the back or something like that? Like, what is it that drives you to make those specific decisions? Is it just like it's an intuition cal- thing?
2: It's quite calculated. Like, I'll have a schedule of like, what's going to be on Instagram, let's say. Mm-hmm. What's going to go into the company Instagram or what in the buy is going to arrive before other things. So it depends. We, I, I have like... Uh, holiday season valentine's day
1: mother's day uh, right
2: yes it's like father's day let's say so the uh,
1: vm it, has a pretty high turnover then if it's hitting every holiday
2: i mean i t- i do i re- i reshuffle the store and the window every month every f- three to four weeks
1: you personally are doing that in that one yeah. particular store but in, what about in the my store of them?
2: they have to they have to change every month
1: Jeez, louise
2: they should it depends if they've got stock
0: I was just gonna say, how do you like come up with a creative new concept that often? Like,
2: sometimes I get like really stuck and I'm like, I have to like talk to my director and go, look, this is like I'm struggling because we haven't got anything new in this month or we have got like two new things in. How do I do something super fresh? Or when you get to the end of a season, let's say, and you've used everything cool that hasn't sold it's difficult it's like you have to really think outside the box and we have like props to be having a store like p- podiums and it's more it's difficult but it's a collaborative
1: not our- effort right like it's not just on you isn't it or is it just on you
2: it's just on me please, no <laughs> it's difficult thing. you call we have me a s-
1: I don't feel like I've I'm ever gonna call you. had you call me in like a panic I'm gonna FaceTime really
2: you and be like can you help it. me please Yeah. As a company, we don't do super elaborate window. We don't change prop every month. We don't, I mean, some brands, let's say Gucci or, I mean, they're changing their, even their mannequins, they change them every four weeks. Right. Their budget is like.
1: I was just going to ask you about budget because like Liberties and like Harrods and those types of large department stores that do such elaborate VM work, you know, for their holidays, in that type their budget of
2: is like millions think about bergdorf goodman i mean their budget is
1: like
2: yeah. but that budget must just change. be something
1: that they're prioritizing then right
2: because they're known i mean selfridges let's say or liberties in london or bergdorf they are known for their window so they can't produce a shit window a bad window mm-hmm. because they're known for it people go people go to, to see that
1: right well, I mean, it's just like when you were here and visiting me over like a couple of months ago or whatever, before Christmas, yeah. and we went in front of that department store and they had that massive display in their windows, but there was no that fashion moving pieces Christmas. in it. You know, it was just, it was purely just like window art. Like to, a get Christmas them into, piece.
2: to get to get to you into the store. That's because it was a, more of a family store, wasn't it? I think if I remember.
1: No, it's like the Saks of Sweden like Saks Fifth Avenue,
2: Sweden. I so think that just gets people in because they're like, oh, they feel Christmasy. Oh, let's go sh- Christmas shopping. And they go inside. But I don't see it often when it's not really product because normally you would always have product in a window. Even a Christmas window, you would have product.
1: Right. It was a little bit But more, like
2: right. in, in the department store in Milan, we we'd never had product. It was like similar to what you had. It was like the Christmas scene with the moving train. and It's cute though it was cute yeah but it's commercially not really commercially viable for right. for brands because you can have also in department stores it's different you can have like a brand takeover like one year we had fendi in milan takeover le Aniciente, which is like uh the, the sax of milan
0: i wanted to ask before you close out and do another turnover are you given some sort of report that can show you like the correlation between sales and how you merchandise things around the store?
2: I don't get that automatically, but I tend to call the merchandiser and ask. It's something that I take on myself. I don't think every mm-hmm. member of the team does this, but I tend to, I like to know what's going on, Oh well, yeah. what needs to be pushed, what is not selling, so I know right. what we can prioritize. Uh, also, I have to keep removing it from the window because we use the shop stock for the window, mm. which not all brands do, but I think we do. Right. So if there's one piece that I have to be every, I mean, I'm going to be removing it every day so t- for a client to try on. So I think we like to use things that we have a lot of stock of, and I know we're having more arrive. So I do get like a report every two weeks of like arrive, er- arriving stock.
0: This is such a like, stupid question, so forgive me for my rudimentary <sighs> knowledge about visual merchandising, but just for anyone like that may be wondering also for someone that wants to get into the industry, do you have to work for a brand to be a ver- visual merchandiser? Or do they have... You know how there's like PR agencies that can be out... Like brands can outsource for their PR? Are there any like agencies or like freelancers or consultants that brands can temporarily outsource for the visual merchandising or do you have to work like in-house full-time for a brand
2: no for sure we have like freelancers i have i bring people in mainly for the showroom let's say i will bring a team in of freelancers especially now the people can't travel so my team from london can't travel here so i have to hire someone freelance i don't think there's an agency as such Right. That like have teams of free, uh, of visual merchandisers, but we definitely have people we work with that are not within the company that we can source, and they can come and help. And it's no, norm- I normally use the same people, so they're people that are familiar with the brand, that know how we how we work.
1: So how did you find them initially?
2: LinkedIn, actually. Oh,
1: okay. Well, that's LinkedIn
2: is is the best thing. LinkedIn, and I could give some advice to people who want to start is that. Uh, I started as a sales associate in a store that needed assistance with VMing. So it's a case of you can start free. I started freelance for my company for six months and then I became.
0: Full time.
2: Yeah, permanent within the company. So I think freelancing people are either nervous just to freelance because it's not secure, but it can lead to something more secure. So it depends on how you feel about. Being able to do other jobs, being able to be a bit more relaxed and go to different companies, whether you want to work for one core company, which for me is easier. Do you
0: you bring in those people? Are they more for like physically like to have extra support there in the store, actually like placing product?
2: Exactly. If if we have a big window change or if we have something that I need two people because it's difficult for me to be on my own.
1: Do you find being a visual merchandiser like a very physical job?
2: I do, yeah. I spend <laughs> a lot of time up and down stairs and carrying. Our store has five floors, so I'm Jeez. up and down. Um, it's like it's like the gym for me now. I mean, I have a good bum now because of the stairs. Yeah, <laughs>
1: fair. Perks. You know who I so, don't envy I... are the VM people at Dover Street Market in New York with that eight-floor <sighs> Situation, like even no, like, even shopping at stores. I is mean, an
2: amazing, amazing store, amazing visual, but yeah, it must be difficult. Enough. And mannequins are not the most easiest thing to carry because they all got they all got parts. The arms come off, the heads come it's like off. Like taking care so it's... of a
0: drunk friend, really. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and they fight and back. They, like they're they not do. The they like, They're
2: aggressive. <laughs> they're aggressive. These people. They don't mess with you. They they will hurt you.
0: Genuinely. Maybe they were better off without the heads. <laughs>
1: probably
2: (laughs) no comment
0: wait so okay i have a question because you guys both of you went to like fashion school for fashion do you feel like someone has to go to school for fashion or for something specific to get into visual merchandising
2: do you want the honest answer or the we sure correct do answer?
1: we want the honest answer here we don't spend any bullshit on this it... podcast thank you so much
2: no bullshit needed um, I would always suggest going to get an education so kids stay in school
0: <laughs>
2: do I think it's absolutely necessary to go to university and study fashion no I do not because I think you can get experience from being in the field which you yeah need to get, even when you leave university, you need that experience. So it depends on, I think it's also, it's useful to get a degree and I'll give you an example because once when I applied for my Middle East visa, cause I have to get a visa to work in Saudi Arabia, they had to have a degree for me mm-hmm. to get the visa. They mm-hmm. requested that if you didn't have the degree in the topic that you were applying to work in the area, they wouldn't have given me the visa. So it came in handy yeah. for the skill. I think you can learn that on the job. On the job, I don't think everyone. It's like a stylist or a PR. I think no, you either course. have it or you don't. You can either speak PR language or you can't. You can either style or yeah. you can't, or you can either totally. understand colors and visually how a rail works, or you have to be taught. But I don't. I think it can be natural without studying.
0: But if someone didn't go to like school specifically for fashion, like let's say they studied something else they still have a chance.
2: Yeah, I think so. I do I think maybe yeah. not less of a chance, but I think you still you would still have a chance. It depends where you would go and start and get experience.
0: Okay. We like to but say it's never too late to
1: pivot.
2: Exactly. Yes.
1: But I mean <laughs> I, so I, I, little... I listened
2: to that podcast.
1: Of course you listen listened to, to that, that podcast, Alan. You should and already have listened, listened to every I did. podcast we release.
2: To the pivot the pivot podcast. <laughs>
1: Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, What was I going to say? Oh, I was going to add to what you were saying and say that it's a lot of like right time, right place, too, especially if you're freelancing, because you do lose a lot of networking mm-hmm. if you don't go to, say, like a fashion university and you want to go into fashion. Like, look at Alan and me, right? Like, it's like X amount of years later and we're still like friends. But we do also like look out for each other in the industry. Like if we see yeah. anything.
2: Yeah, and i like world. still get worked i get i used i still talk business-wise with people from university so it's good for contact making and you always meet those people you study with even years later you you can still come across each other and the paths can cross yeah. so don't ever kick anyone on the way up it's a small Because you never know where they're gonna where people. they're gonna get
1: yeah yeah for that's sure. very true Was um, Marangoni the only fashion schooling that you did or did you do anything else?
2: Did a foundation year and one year of a BA doing fashion design, actually.
1: Did you? Before I
2: arrived. Yeah.
0: Well, if you weren't doing visual merchandising, what job in fashion or not in fashion would you want to be doing? We like to ask this
2: question. (laughs) It's a good question. I think I would be doing styling, I think. Because they still have like it's still there for me. It's still in my heart. I still have a passion. For I mean, do you think you'll ever want to
1: pivot back into it?
2: I think so. I I think I will. Yes.
1: <gasps> do it, Alan's this Such a great exciting. stylist. Not that he's not an I amazing really, visual merchandiser, but I mean, he really does have a. Talent. I
2: enjoy it. I I feel like it's creat- creatively. No shade to my current job, but it's creatively. It's a very interesting job, and you. I feel like you can push the boundaries and you can give uh, how do I explain you like can give thought, voice? you can, you can st- yeah a stronger voice you can you can make you can start topics you can start conversations that are maybe more in depth and life-changing shall I say would you want
0: to do editorial or celebrity
2: Ed- editorial I think me and Johanna yeah. always discuss this because I think she's an amazing celebrity stylist and I'm an amazing editorial stylist. So I think that <laughs> a combo.
1: Yes, I mean to be fair, we we're, we're very good opposite sides of the coin, you know, because like Alan yeah. has a really great editorial eye, and like mm-hmm. I have a good personal style, red carpet celeb eye. So it's just like Which they're very I would, different. I would
2: struggle. I think I would struggle mm. with doing it like a personal styling because I'd get a bit, I'd get a bit anxious, I think.
1: <laughs> well, I can s- still do editorial, but I mean, it's just mm-hmm. not, it's not like how Alan does it. You know what I mean? And Alan still does like celeb stuff, but like it's, it's just different, you know? Uh well keeping on topic of editorials and things I wanted to ask you like who your biggest inspirations are and like what your favorite fashion magazines and stylists and designers photographers are like just get a little bit of inspo and tell people what you're vibing on.
2: I have a big inspiration actually is a very good friend of mine and she was a stylist that I first assisted when I started because I was a styling at the beginning of my career and uh, her name is Namely Bola and she's fashion editor for a magazine in London called Super Super which was around many moons ago and she really was the first person that taught me about styling and about sticking by your guns and not selling out and doing styling with integrity so she's is someone that has inspired me a long time and she still inspires me now with the conversations we have about the industry and in terms that. of magazines there's a magazine called Candy Magazine, which is a magazine, a fashion magazine that is focuses on transgender models and transgender role models. And it's a really interesting magazine from Italy. Something that's pushing boundaries for me. So it's that's the area that I like. Photographers. Mm. I'm not super clued up these days on photographers, but... I
1: know, Yaz always asks me about photographers, and I'm like...
2: Like, is it... I forgot... There's the one that shot Beyoncé for Vogue, Tyler... (laughs) Tyler, uh, (laughs) who is (laughs) super relevant and cool, I think. He's doing super cool stuff.
1: Just really
0: needed to pick that one,
2: huh? Um, Why?
0: Why? Okay, because last week... Clearly, Alan hasn't
1: listened to our latest episode.
0: (laughs) Our latest episode that came out last... Or two weeks ago was a trivia episode, and one of my questions for joe was who was the photographer that shot beyonce's september Vogue cover and she's like
1: what i don't know i had no idea it was bad on me bad johanna specifically like in your day-to-day job is there any type of software that you particularly think is helpful for people to know if they want to get into vm like did you need to know like illustrator or is photoshop something good or like do you need to know like cad like what's, that? what's use, CAD?
2: It's CAD's just- like a design software that you use to design window mm-hmm. layout and like, oh, okay. if, you're, if you're doing a new prop or if you're designing a new window installation cad's mm-hmm. like the one that you use to design mm-hmm. that and you send that off to a designer and they can make what you need to be made mm. i would say i tend to use like InDesign and Photoshop more for like guideline layout. I don't really use so m- much software in my job, but mainly just InDesign to do layout and then Photoshop to edit the picture to make sure lighting is is as it should be or if there's an imperfection somewhere I fix. <laughs> okay. Also, I mean, e- Excel, but that's for expenses, not for...
0: <laughs> yeah, but no, but Excel not, um... is, a, is one like across all jobs. I was telling Joe during like lockdown back in April I took an Excel course online and it was actually super helpful
2: like and when I first started know. using Excel I never knew how to use it when I started this job so I would sit with my laptop Excel and a calculator no joke next to the laptop and I would like <laughs> calculate on a calculator and then type it into the Excel spreadsheet and my colleague was like what, what are you doing and I was like oh I'm doing my expenses that's what excel is for you can do it on excel and i was like oh okay
1: i love excel so much i used to think i actually had a good grasp on it until yaz actually did this course and she's like did you know you can make pie charts and i was like no i didn't know i had no idea i was like maybe i should take this course um okay my other question for you oh this one is actually pretty good like do you think that the vm ethos is standard across all brands or is it individual for each and every brand so do they have like a pretty much a rule book for vm across like the board in the fashion industry or does every brand take it on as an individual type of i think it depends on the
2: aspect that we're looking at like as i said earlier i have a lot more freedom and i think many brands do but i think as a how i think the way you look at vming i think it's similar because it's about pushing product it's about promoting new season it's about putting relevant pieces on display so i think that is across the entire board of any brand also you have to really you have to push the story and the idea of the designer and the way they dress their mannequins in the way that the styling is done of course, styling across all brands is different. So I think you can also tell a window from the way that a mannequin is styled. Like we would always have, I have since four years, a way of doing a belt, a way of tucking a shirt in, a way of displaying a jacket that stayed the same the whole way through. Because the designer, our designer has not really changed his styling mentality. He's changed the style of the clothes, but the mentality of styling has stayed the same.
1: Alan, I want to hear one thing that you love about your job and one thing that you don't like about your job, or that you wish you could change, or that you wish that you could change. And then I also want to hear who among all people and brands is your favorite VM or has your favorite visual merchandising. Mm.
0: Those are my two final
1: questions Ooh. for you. <laughs> Take <laughs> Spill a moment, the tea. think about it.
2: So the things, the thing that I love, which is now not happening, is traveling yeah because it really got me to different places that I never would have seen without my job I really went to countries that I wasn't expecting to with this job so I really missed that obviously with the current situation as I call it Mm -hmm. it's really changed the way we work it's changed the way brands work and the way we communicate with our stores so I struggle a bit now because I really miss seeing the other stores seeing the the people that work on those stores and communicating with them i miss that and the thing i hate or would like to change
0: (laughs) no 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 you hate it let's hear it
2: (laughs) the long hours they're Mm -hmm. tiring i wouldn't change it but obviously i prefer to get i prefer to get sleep and then not get sleep
1: okay so the last and final question alan what is your favorite vm of all time well, maybe not last that, and final, but that's not the last question. <laughs> <laughs> the one from me, anyway. Like,
2: yeah. Like my my favorite, like brand VM. Yes. Say. Oh, apart from my own. <laughs> yes. yes, that is obviously
1: excluded from this question. While he's thinking, can say- we just say that there's that Zara has like pretty much one of the highest budgets for VM. <laughs> In the high really? street, I didn't, yes. I didn't know that. I learned that in school, and you did too, because I'm fairly certain we were sitting next to each <laughs>
2: other. Because uh, I don't remember that
1: <laughs> um, ten, ten years
2: ago. This if world. you
1: ever look at their mannequins, you can see by the quality of the mannequin that they're a lot more expensive looking than, like, say H H&M and M mm. or something like that. But they put a lot of money in their VM budget in comparison to other high street fashion brands. Anyway, just a little fun fact trivia for you while Alan was composing his thoughts.
2: I have two answers for you, Montclair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think what they're doing is super cool. I think it's really current, futuristic. The, set, the two, I think it's they, they really uh, are speaking true to the designer and the collaborations they're, they are releasing. And a brand I don't live for, but I love their VMing is Gucci they really have a good mm. budget and you can see the budget they put into their windows. I mean, they change every six weeks. They have new mannequins every six weeks. I mean, which those is just little teddy bear
1: head mannequins were pretty innovative.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like it's unprecedented. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not common to, for that to happen for them to, you to change an entire mannequin family, let's say every six weeks. Cause it's just That's the budget is, I mean, yeah, the budget is the extremely high. Obviously, they're the brand of the moment, so they can do this. So I think they... I don't live for the brand, but I like what they're doing visually. I think it's cool. Yeah. But my number one is is Montclair.
0: Well, to wrap it up, as our traditional last question for our guests on a certain type of crazy, we say that it takes a certain type of crazy to work in this industry. So is there a specific crazy, quote-unquote, moment or day that you had on the job where you look back and you're like, oh my God, that was crazy that I had to do that. Or just what comes to mind?
2: I have two that came to mind. One that was very early early on in my career at my current company where I had an email. We had the fashion show in New York. I think on on a day of the week, maybe a Friday, I had an email. Thursday evening, but the early hours of Friday morning, and it was in Friday evening, the show saying, you need to fly to New York, like now. Oh. And luckily, I was up net- watching Netflix. So I was up doing something at home, and I saw the email, and I left for the airport two hours later <laughs> to go to New York, which... Like, one day, my family called me in Milan. The next day, they called me. I was in America, and they were like, but we, sp- but we spoke to you yesterday. And I was like, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Things can <laughs> well, change.
2: Welcome to, the, welcome to the job. That's one crazy thing. And the second is, I mean, it happens every season with a showroom. I remember doing one sales campaign. I think I didn't sleep for, like, four days, like, at all. Oh,
0: my God. It
2: was... I think I was like falling at dinner the, the last day. I was like falling asleep at dinner. I think I I remember just it was like we had a press day and then we had sales campaign all in the space of like four or five days. So we just, the entire just team. in the
0: store for like four days straight.
2: In the showroom. We had the store, then sure. we had the showroom because it was during fashion week or so. Right. And I remember just... I'm just working and working and working and I'm used to it now, but I think one of my first times of ever being in the showroom, so I was not really used to the fact that we don't really sleep during those (laughs) kind of weeks, which I'm sure you're used to. Mm -hmm. I remember just like, by the last day, I was like,
0: you're just I, I dead to, by like, the last day. I had day. to
2: stand up because if I lean on a surface, I was like falling You'll asleep. Fall asleep. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. We've all been there.
2: I remember seeing my boyfriend and just crying. I was like, it's done. We're finished. I literally burst into tears. I felt so emotional.
1: It's the release of emotion when you finish something and just start crying when you know you're fucking tired. It's like, oh, I was really at my wits yeah. end there, wasn't I? Yeah. It's- yep it's Love that. tough that's days amazing. we go We've all through been there. Now.
2: i think there's many more to come to get ready
0: <laughs> i miss it is the sad part
2: i miss the stress that's the
1: twisted bit is that you do miss it
2: because <laughs> we're so used to the stress that we kind of miss it now that it's more simple
0: i yeah and that's like why i think we say it takes a certain type of crazy because who in their right mind would but, miss those times but you do
2: it's like we, we might complain about it but we keep doing it because we love it we, complain. we don't know how I to mean, do I, anything we no <laughs> it's it's like inbuilt into our dna now doing this
0: on that happy note thank you so much alan for coming on to a certain type of crazy and talking to us yes thank you thank you so alan. much for inviting
2: me
1: i'm so happy thank to you. have you here i miss you so much
2: i miss you too when am i gonna see you
1: I mean, whenever you get your ass over to Sweden
2: again, because, you know, I can't leave.
1: (laughs) If you guys would like to subscribe and rate and comment on our podcast, A Certain Type of Crazy, you can find it on all platforms where podcasts are found. Apple, Spotify, Anchor. You can choose. Um, That'd be great. We'd really appreciate it. Thank you. See you later. Bye.